What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Transition, a show aimed at demystifying the entrepreneur experience for those of you looking to make the transition from the military and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of The Bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. I'm going to start off this episode of The Transition a little bit different by reading a quote from a short and powerful book called The Go-Giver, a little story about a powerful business idea. The book was written by John David Mann and Bob Berg, one of America's most influential thought leaders. The quote says, people do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Let me read that again. People do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. You see, business is about relationships and serving others. And when you truly understand and embrace this idea, a world of abundance opens up to you. Because instead of chasing sales all day, you're just looking for opportunities to build genuine relationships with people and figuring out how to help them. But don't take it from me. You can take it from one of the authors of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg, who joins me on this episode of The Transition. I had an opportunity to personally interview Bob in front of a live Bunker Lab audience in order to not only discuss the book, but also share his business insights as one of America's premier thought leaders. Before I roll the interview, I'm going to read a brief overview of the book and then share a little insight into my own personal journey of becoming a go-giver and how it's allowed me to actually enjoy sales, something I was terrified of for the longest time. I literally hated sales with a passion, but adopting a go-giver mentality over the course of this pandemic has made sales and business enjoyable in a way that I only dreamed of a year ago. So whether you read the book or not, this is going to be a great refresher for you. And, you know, I've read this book probably two or three times at this point, and I want to strongly encourage uh, you all out there to read it because it's really going to help you understand uh, today's discussion uh, with Bob. So let me go ahead and jump into the overview. All right. So the Go-Giver tells a story of an ambitious young man named Joe who yearns for success. Joe is a true go-getter, though sometimes he feels as if the harder and faster he works, the further away from his goals he seems to be. Desperate to land a key sale at the end of a bad quarter, he seeks advice from the Ignatic Pindar, a legendary consultant referred to by his many devotees simply as the chairman. Over the next week, Pindar introduces Joe to a series of go-givers, a restaurateur, a CEO, a financial advisor, a real estate broker, and the connector who brought them all together. Pindar's friends teach Joe the five laws of stratospheric success and help him open himself up to the power of giving. Joe learns that changing his focus from getting to giving, putting others' interests first, and continually adding value to their lives ultimately leads to unexpected returns. Imparted with wit and grace, The Go-Giver is a classic bestseller that brings to life the old proverb, give and you shall receive. This really is a powerful business idea, and I've seen it work in my own life, my own business, because, you know, I, again, I despise the sales calls. It always felt sleazy to me. I felt so much pressure every time I, I jumped on with someone because, you know, as small business owner, as startup founders, you know, as aspiring entrepreneurs, at the end of the day, we all need sales and revenue. It, there's a lot of pressure that comes with it, especially when we talk about paying ourselves and paying our employees and, you know, all the ambitions we have for our businesses. And the only way we can accomplish that is if we, you know, increase our revenue. But what this go-giver idea gets to the core of is at the end of the day, if you help other people win, they're going to help you win. And what does that look like? 
You know, they might look like, you know, jumping on with the prospect and instead of trying to force the sales down their throat, just asking them, hey, what kind of problems are they facing in their own business and figuring out ways that you can help them creatively. And even if you can't help them, you know, maybe you find someone else who can. But just based off of that, that's going to show your integrity. You're going to build rapport uh, with that prospect. And then guess what? He's going to look out. Him or her are going to look out for you, you know, in the future. And, uh, you know, we hear examples of that in the book. There's a, there's one example when Joe, the protagonist, gives a lead away to, to a competitor. And uh, the competitor was just so blown away by that. He gave his name to someone else. And Joe ended up getting a, a big deal, a big contract out of that because his his reputation had spread and he needed someone that could that could get it done. And so, you know, you need people out there looking out for you, too. You know, we talk about networking, networking, networking. A lot of veterans and military spouse, we transition and we know we need to network but what does networking really mean? At the end of the day, it's just figuring out other ways to help people. Meet someone, find out what they do, look in your own network, see who you can connect them with. If you can't connect them with, you know, ask somebody else. But just, you know, you need people out there that are always kind of looking out for you, always kind of have an overwatch. And when you when you give freely, right, it just builds such rapport that, you know, people remember that. And that's how you build genuine relationships is just helping people and serving people. And so I really want to encourage you all out there to, to read this book and adopt this uh, this go-giver mentality. And before we jump into the interview, last thing, I want to get, acknowledge our new sponsors for the transition, which is the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. The foundation also provides mentorship to veterans and military spouses transitioning to the workforce as well as financial and health resources. So salute to the MetLife Foundation and all that they do. And for our listeners out there, as always, my hope is that you're able to apply many of the lessons in today's episode in your own entrepreneurial journey. So without further ado, I introduce you to the transition interview with Bob Berg. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another edition of The Transition Today, I have the honor and privilege of sitting down with the legendary Bob Berg, author of one of the most iconic business books of our century, The Go-Giver. Bob, welcome to The Transition. Wow, what a great introduction. Thank you so much. Very kind. Now, how about you do me a favor and go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Well, really, just a uh, former broadcaster, graduated into sales, studied sales, uh, got fairly successful with that and began teaching others how to do the same. Uh, eventually began to operate a speaking business where I formally started teaching others how to do the same. So sales, communication skills and influence and persuasion skills, that's sort of my my uh, fastball, curveball slider. And, uh, you know, I've been doing that for quite a while now, having a lot of fun with it. I see a lot of books behind you, you know, uh, so you're a highly educated man. Well, more, more self-educated. I uh, was not a good student when I was in high school. I, I barely graduated. In fact, on, on graduation day at the end of the ceremony, uh, my guidance counselor saw me and he, he, he came over to me and he said, Berg, I can't believe you actually made it that you're actually here. And what's funny, he was a nice guy, great guy. So I know it doesn't sound very nice and encouraging of him, but he really was a great guy. I was just a horrible student who, who never showed up. I, I got into college on, on academic probation, which is, I guess a lot of people do that, but I think I graduated on academic probation as well. So I just was not a student. I didn't recognize it. I didn't see the value. And I mean, I regret that now, of course, uh, just learning how to think would have been a, you know, a nice, uh, a nice thing. But, um, 
but it was when I got into sales that I really started to become a, a learner. And uh, because it wasn't just a matter of the how-to aspect of sales, as important as that is, skills in any profession are very important, but it was, it, was, it was being able to grow on the inside. And as we know, growth begins on the inside and success manifests itself on the outside. And so when I started being introduced to all these books from Carnegie's How to Win Your Friends and Influence People to uh, Hill's Think and Grow Rich and The Magic of Thinking Big and James Allen's As a Man Thinketh and, and uh, 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 Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Ma and, you know, all these, these books, it, was open, it opened up a whole new world for me. I was just amazed. And from, from that time on, I've sort of been on a, a, a quest to learn. And yeah, you know, the, the uh, books in the background, that's one small part of my home library. I often say my, my house is comprised of uh, books with some scattered furniture. What's interesting is, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially early stage entrepreneurs, sales is super intimidating, right? We always associate it with the used car salesman. It seems super sleazy that you're trying to get one over on people. But then through your book, you know, you introduce sales through a parable. And a lot of people on this call, they're huge fans. You know, you mentioned one of our, our partners at USA, Miss uh, Harriet Dominique, um, as well as tons of others in the, the veteran ecosystem. But this idea of you know, this sense of purpose around sales, that it's not just, you know, we're not just in it to make money. We have a higher calling. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. A, a colleague of mine, uh, Lisa Earl McLeod, she wrote a, a series of books uh, called Noble Purpose. So one is selling with noble purpose. One is leading with noble purpose. But she tells an interesting story. Uh, I think this was in the selling with noble purpose one. Uh, she was brought into a company, into a, um, a uh, pharmaceutical sales company to to determine why the top producers were the top producers right and what she she discovered was one day she was she was with a um one of the tops i think like the second or third top sales rep in the entire company i mean this woman was just doing amazing things and she said so what's your story how was it that you became such a, a highly successful salesperson she said well you know lisa it, it when i first started i thought i was selling drugs, you know, pharmaceutical uh, uh, drugs. And she said, one day I was in a, uh, she said it was a couple of years at, that I was into the business. I was doing okay, but nothing special. She said, and I was at the receptionist uh, desk uh, to, you know, to, to check in for my appointment with the doctor who was a client of hers. So she took a seat and there was a, an elderly woman who walked up to her and said, uh, did I hear you say you're with XYZ company, whatever the, the pharmaceutical company was? She says, oh, yes, I am. Why? And the, the elderly woman said, I just had to thank you. She said, your, and whatever the particular drug was, gave me my life back. I had been in so much pain and I'd been so tired and so listless. And I had these grandchildren I couldn't even play with and couldn't be a part of their life. And now, I mean, I feel great. I've got more energy than ever. I'm the grandmother I wanted to be, right? And she goes into all these reasons. And the, the pharmaceutical rep said to Lisa, I realized I wasn't in the business of selling pharmaceutical products. I was in the business of giving people their lives back. When you have a purpose like that, 
Everything else takes care of itself. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to know how to sell. It doesn't mean you don't have to prospect and make the calls and do the things. That, of course, you have to. But when you when you're operating from that sense of purpose, it's not about you. It's about them, right? It's about something much bigger, and that really is is such a difference maker. That's sales. I think that's also why for a lot of veterans and military spouses. The aspirations of being an entrepreneur, this idea of having a sense of purpose when we show up to work oh. and we show up to the world. And, you know, we really struggle with that when we leave the military. But entrepreneurship represents this pathway for us to continue serving in some way. Now, one of the things we do on the show, we, we do deep dives. But before we do a deep dive, I have to ask you to be a little bit vulnerable for our listeners. You're <laughs> obviously. You're obviously a successful business owner. You work with CEOs, you do conferences, you do all this kind of stuff. But would you mind sharing with our audience something you've been struggling with either personally or professionally over the last uh, few months or even currently? Um, I, I can go back as far as what I've been struggling with pretty much my entire life if you want, but that goes really deep and that might go into places you don't want to go. Let's go. We're ready. <laughs> well, I uh, I have been a, a basically a lot lifelong sufferer of OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, I'm 63, so back when I was growing up, it, it wasn't something anybody knew about. Uh, it wasn't until I was 26 that I was finally diagnosed with that. And OCD is not what most people think it is. You know, you hear people, I'm so OCD about. No, you're not. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a it's a chemical disorder in the brain caused by a lack of serotonin it causes horrible ongoing unwanted thoughts and actions repeated actions to get blah 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 what have you it's a horrible uh thing to have um but that's something i you know once i i knew what i had and could get on some medication and could begin to work with that i still didn't get better but at least i knew what it was but that's something i've been dealing with for 63 years and I'm 63, so uh, I'll, I'll never stop um, uh, having that, and it's always going to be a part of my life. But it's something that I've I've worked within, uh, and you know, tried tried my best to uh, to manage, if you will. You don't you don't, and unlike an obsessive compulsive personality type, which is totally different, and one can be successful because they uh, have that you know obsessive compulsive personality type. But that's a whole different thing. Uh, one does not attain success because of OCD. They attain success in spite of OCD. So, you know, that's the, the big picture of a, of a struggle. And I, I share that only because, uh, you know, as you brought it up, I thought it's OK. I, you know, the, we, we all have our struggles and certainly, you know, people in the military who've gone through much worse than I have. And and I know so many have post-traumatic stress syndrome as my dad coming back from World War Two uh, did and so forth. And so that's, you know, just one reason I admire you all so much for what you've had to to deal with. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners because you're right. We're all dealing with all kinds of stuff, especially in the midst of this pandemic and all the changes that are going on. But uh, I really find it empowering for our community when we have people come on and just really be vulnerable and open up about this kind of stuff, too. Uh, it really gives them words of encouragement. So I appreciate you doing that. I want to go ahead and jump into the theme of this episode, which is this concept of uh, being a go-giver. And in your book, and I, I highlighted this quote, People will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. 
for a lot of veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses, when we come in entrepreneurship, we don't come from the age of, you know, the massive sales training and all this kind of stuff. So what do a lot of us do? We tend to do what we see other people doing, you know, set up the signage at the conferences, message random people on LinkedIn and this and that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really deliver the value we're looking for. You know, we hear, oh, you need to network. You need to network. But what are we networking for? And then you say, no, 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 pause the brakes. Focus on helping people. And that's all the networking you need to do. So can you do a little bit of, of a deep dive on this topic of helping our listeners understand what you mean when you say people do business with those they trust? No, yeah, no, like, and trust. Exactly. And, and here's what it comes down to. It's, and when we talk about networking, I think first we have to define what networking is because, you know, we could say to somebody says, well, go out there and network, network, network. Well, if someone sees networking as that, you know, fast walking, slick talking sales guy, right? Who kind of glad hands, backhand, shakes hands, slaps hands, sticks a business card into people's faces and says, hey, give me a call, cut you a deal, right? Or, you know, that's that's not networking, but that's what a lot of people think it is if they haven't been taught otherwise. So they go out and they do that thing. They just hit business, card, you know, they put the business card in people's hands, give that elevator speech and they, you know, do their thing and they wonder why people aren't attracted to them and want to get to know them and do business with them and so forth. Uh, it's actually the opposite of what we should be doing. So let's define networking as simply the cultivating of mutually beneficial give and take or give and receive win-win relationships. Okay. Networking is the cultivating of mutually beneficial give and take or give and receive win-win relationships. The key, as you can tell, is the giving part, right? And so when we talk about, let's say, the go-giver philosophy, if you will, what is that really? What's the basic premise? That shifting your focus, and this is key, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. Understanding that doing so is not only a more gratifying way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. And not for some, you know, way out there, woo-woo type of, you know, magical, mystical reasons. Not at all. It really makes logical, rational sense. When you're that person who can take your focus off yourself and place it on solving other people's problems, other people's challenges, helping people, discovering, which is what sales is, discovering what the other person needs, wants, desires, okay? Helping to make their life better, helping bring them closer to happiness. Well, people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to, to be in relationship with you. They want to see you succeed. They want to tell others about you. So it really makes a lot of sense, not just some goody two-shoes type of thing. It makes a lot of sense to focus on others. You know, it, it, it's interesting because when I would speak at, at sales conferences, back in the days when there were actually sales conferences and it'd be tons of salespeople in the room. And the first thing I would say is this, I'd say, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. And they'd all laugh. We'd all laugh. We'd all laugh because we all know that's true. All of us in sales, we know nobody's going to buy from us because we have a quota to meet. No one's going to buy from us because we need the money. And no one's going to buy from us be just because we're nice people. P the, the people are only going to buy from you or from me. 
because they believe they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And in the basically free market economy in which we operate, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one is forced to do business with, with anyone else. People do business with one another on their own volition. I think we should be more free market than we actually are, but, but you know, what, what have you. Um, we all operate, and I guarantee you, everyone who's listening, watching, who goes, into business for themselves as an entrepreneur is operating in a basically free market system and that no one is forced to buy from them. They have to earn the right. They have to earn that relationship. They have to earn that no like and trust. And you do that by taking your focus off yourself and placing it on them, which is why John David Mann and, and uh, I, and John, John is my awesome co-author of the Go-Giver book series. He's really the lead writer and storyteller. I'm much more of a how-to guy. He's a great writer. Um, it, it's why we say that money is simply an echo of value. Money is simply an echo of value, which means the focus must be on the other person. The focus must be on the value you provide another person. Um, the money you receive is simply a natural result of the value you've provided. And that's why we say that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. One of the things that's important about the go-giver mentality is you can't be transactional. You know, a lot of times people say give, but then they expect something in return you know, but what you're talking about, no, you're saying give freely because it's the right thing to do. And you genuinely want to see that other person on the end of that phone, on the other side of that Zoom call succeed. And in the book, when uh, uh, the main character, he gives a, a lead to his competitor. Right. Yeah. Right. And we've, we've, you know, he's sitting there and he's like, I feel like I'm going to regret this. But he said, hey, man, here's a number for you to call. It was a big account. And he handed it off to somebody else. And he felt kind of sick when he did it. But I thought right. that was important that you put that in a story because, you know, it all comes full circle. But we've mm -hmm. all been in those situations, you know, those yeah. situations where we can pass something off. But we're just this sense of scarcity, you know. Exactly. And remember, he could not, you know, when he handed off that that referral, it's because he and his company couldn't handle it. So it wasn't even hurting him. To, to, to hand it to someone, but it was just his mindset, that scarcity mindset. What if someone else wins? That must mean that I lose, which is called living on the competitive plane as opposed to the creative plane where we're simply looking to bring value um, to others. Now, when we say, you know, live on the creative plane, not the competitive plane, that doesn't mean we don't have competition. And it doesn't mean we don't know who our competition is. It doesn't mean we don't understand our competition and their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, what have you. What it does mean is we don't focus on our competition. We focus on creating value for the marketplace. I'll tell you, I've actually done that with a client too, you know, to where it was, you know, let me just give this client some free value because if I can't serve your needs, there's another company out there that probably can. And after that, they were like, no, nah, we just want to work with you. Exactly. And it's amazing how often that happens and how even when it, when it is a matter of that, they, that they work with someone else temporarily because it just, it, you know, it, it works out that that is the best scenario for them, the best option for them, they have you in mind, okay? And they're either going to come back to you or they're going to tell the world about this person who absolutely put my interests so far ahead of their own. 
that, you know, you've got to do business with this person, right? You know, so uh, abs- absolutely. And again, there's there's nothing about any of this that is woo woo. And I mean, this is all, uh, you know, it, it's all. And, and you know, remember, John, David, Mann and I didn't make this stuff up. Uh, the success principles are sex, success principles. Universal laws are universal laws. They've worked for as long as there's been human beings and as long as there've been market economies. Um, but um, we, we just kind of put it in a story form and, you know, gave the laws some names and so forth. But these are, you know, the first adopters of, of the book were the people who, they were already very successful. You know, they they emailed us and said, this is how I did it, doing these exact things, right? But nobody would believe them. You know, the people of their organizations wouldn't believe them because that's not what you see on TV, right? And so, yeah, it's it's a matter of, in a sense, it's a matter of education, really. And as in this day and age of, you know, digital marketing, right? You can't log on to YouTube without getting sold 15 times in a 30 second video, you know? And so this is what our entrepreneurs in Bunker Labs are seeing, right? So this is a lot of stuff they're trying to repeat. So I want to ask you, can we take it down to the tactical level for that micropreneur, that third shift entrepreneur that's, you know, working a full-time job, making candles, packaging under her bed, and she needs to get some sales because she wants to do this full time. And you're telling her she needs to go out and help people and not sell people. I know it sounds good for B2B, but what about B2C? Well, it's not one or the other. By 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 helping, you are selling. By selling, you're helping. Because, you know, the old English root of the word sell was salan, which literally meant to give. So when you're selling, you're giving. And you think, oh, well, what, isn't that just semantics? You know, isn't that just a fan? No, think about it. When you're in the selling process, what are you giving another person? You're giving them time, attention, counsel, education, empathy, and ultimately immense value. So what if this person who is, uh, you said, making and packaging candles? Making and packaging candles, yep. Okay, so so first they they determine you know who their market is. Who are the people most likely to be even interested in something like this? Okay, and then maybe they they um, put out a, a a video that just shows how to do it. Some of the creative things you can do with it. Uh, you, I don't know enough about this, but but certain things you know you can take anything like that and find a whole uh, a million ways to kind of bring value to your viewers by just talking about its application and so forth. And then when it comes, you know, then if that person wants more information on, on so forth and so on, they go to their website where they have a weekly, uh, you know, how to, or, or a weekly conversation or a blog, or they have something. So they're, they're always creating information that brings people that attracts people to them and want to know more about them. Uh, and then at a certain point, as that no like, and trust is built up all of a sudden that, you know, that person's now a customer. And again, that's just, you know, an off the top thing with one product that I don't really know much about, but, um, you know, there's no reason that person can't go on all sorts of, uh, can do a search on the internet and look for all sorts of crafts type of podcasts, uh, or blogs out there and be a guest uh, you know, be a guest on the podcast, write a, a guest post for the blog, uh, when they're on, um, when they're on Pinterest or they're on, uh, uh, Instagram, uh, make sure to, you know, look for, for the other people who are doing these kinds of things and, and, uh, or look for the people again in your marketplace where they would be and just have interesting, uh, answers to, to different people's questions. Just be of value. 
and people are going to say, oh, that's really neat. How can I know more about, and, you know, and boom, you have this, this, uh, the website, they can get their free, whatever it is, a free video or for some free information about how to do this and that. And so, you know, I mean, that's, that's where you start. You start creating relationships. And the more of these that you create, the more of a, you know, a, in a sense, a, a funnel that you're building where so many people are coming into this funnel that eventually a whole lot of people start coming out the other end. And these are your buyers. And then these buyers, you continue to cultivate the relationship with and they become your referral sources and on and on and on. And you, you build a business. But remember, uh, it, you know, when, when someone says, well, I, I you know. Um, help. I just need to, to sell. Well, that's fine. Just remember, no one's buying from you because you need the money. They're buying from you because they see value in doing so. And that begins with the relationship. You referenced the key word, which is relationship. And in this day and age where everybody wants everything quick, you make your first million in a month and this and that. But everything I know, a relationship is built over time. It's cultivated over time. And now your book is short and the young man in the book has about a week till, you know, all this magic <laughs> right. happens, right? Yeah. But in reality, it takes time for someone to know, like, and trust you. Can you expand upon that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, you know, there have been people who've said, Bob, would it really happen in one week for Joe, like in the story? Nah, probably not. But, you know, you, you have that, that little bit of creative license, you know, or artistic license when you're, you're building a story about, around something. But the principles certainly work. And, and you know, how long does it take? As, as long as it takes. But, um, but when you build these relationships, okay, it doesn't have to take a long time. It's probably going to actually take a shorter time to make the sale than it would if you weren't doing that. Because, you know, it, 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 remember, as you, as you reach out to someone or as some, or as you put out some information that, that people respond to because they see your, your content that you put out there, some of these people, they're going to be ready to buy pretty quickly. Not most people, but some people. But those who aren't ready to buy quickly, they're going to be ready to buy in a little while. But you're building that relationship. And some aren't going to be ready to buy for a lot longer. And so what you want to do is try not to be attached to the outcome. Because remember, they're going to buy when they want to buy because they have the need, the want, or desire. Um, nonetheless, creating these relationships takes a lot less time to build your business. Uh, because again, they're, they're doing it for their reasons. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I would say keep building those relationships. And once you really start this process and you've, you're constantly putting people again into this funnel, if you will. Okay. Now you've, as you're building relationships up here, you've got some people coming out down here and that's how it goes. But you know, you got to start somewhere, obviously. I think some things too that we often don't talk about is a lot of entrepreneurs spend a lot of time filling that funnel, top of the funnel, you know, getting sent ad spend, doing all this, doing all that. But once they get these customers in, how are they cultivating those relationships to continue to flourish? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I would love to hear your suggestion on that for young entrepreneurs, the young hungry entrepreneurs that don't have a lot of money. You know, they're just fighting tooth and nail, but how do they, how can they practically continue to cultivate relationships after someone is a buyer? Yeah. Or even as they come into the funnel before they buy, you exactly. know, in the process. And that's where, you know, technology can really help you. Now it's, don't get me wrong. The technology doesn't build a relationship. You use the technology to help build a relationship. 
So as much as personal as you can make these, the better. You know, there's a time and place for automated things when you, you know, as, a, as part of a sequence of it, that's fine. But when that person has a question or you think that person doesn't understand something or there's discussion going on, no, you reach out and it, you can reach out right on the site or you can reach out through a phone call, right? Or you can reach out by by inviting them to, to ask their question on Zoom and or whether you're doing it through social media or whatever. But you know, when we talked about, remember, all things being equal, people do business with refer business to not computers, but to the person sitting in front of that computer. If that person understands uh, that it's still all about the relationship, the the uh, social media, though, and, and your website and, and you know, the, the funnel, all those things you're doing, those are just the the media to um, help that relationship grow. But it's still you. Who's doing it now, Bob, I want to be respectful of your time. So I have a couple more questions for you. The first one is of the five laws of the stratosphere. If there mm -hmm. was one law you would leave with our audience and our young and hungry entrepreneurs out here, some not young, some are a little bit older, but okay. what, what was, what is a law that you would want to leave them with more than any other? Well, I'd say the law of influence is, is I mean, not that it, they're, they're all important and that they all work together. So if you leave out any any one of them, it's, you know, it, you're not going to be as, as successful as you possibly can be. Uh, all five work in conjunction. But I think the law of influence is very important to understand right from the beginning. And the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, again, when we say that, we don't mean you should be a doormat or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. It's understanding only that when you, when you move from that I focus or me focus to that other focus, okay? Looking for a Sam, one of the mentors uh, advised Joe, the protege, to make your win all about the other person's win. That's when people know you, like you, and trust you. Now, I'm going to suggest there's no faster, there's no, no more powerful, there's no more effective way to elicit those no like and trust feelings toward you in others than by doing just that. Actually taking the focus off yourself and making it about them. Can I share a story, someone, uh, not a story, well, it is a story, but it's it's something that happened close to 40 years ago. Absolutely. Uh, which, which made a big difference with me. And I, and I think this is something that if I could share with every single uh, budding entrepreneur of any age, I think it's something that, you know, is, is, is really an honor to pass along. And I, I'd been in sales for a couple of years when I had, had just gone to work for another company and we were selling a high ticket item. And I, I just, I was in a slump. And um, as I was in this slump, I really started putting my focus on, on me. Uh, I was panicking and it was, Oh no, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to get in? Again, me, 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 right. Which is the, just, just the opposite. It becomes a, a, a vicious cycle in a way. And there was a, a guy at the company. He wasn't even in the sales department. He was a much older guy and, and I didn't know him well, but he's one of these people we've all known that, uh, you know, he didn't say much, but whatever he did, it was always profound. And so he asked me one day if he could give me some advice. And I, I think he really saw me like, like Joe, the main character in the story I'd write about 
25 years later, whatever it was, um, you know, as that kind of up and coming, ambitious, aggressive, hardworking salesperson who was frustrated that he was not achieving the kind of success, right? And that was totally me. So he said, Berg, he, he was a last name kind of guy. He said, Berg, can I give you some advice? I said, absolutely, please do. And he said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target, he said, is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target is serving others. And that's really when it hit me that great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Great salesmanship is never about the product or service as important as those are. Great salesmanship is about the other person. It's about bringing immense value to the lives of those you touch. It's about another person's life being better just by virtue of you being part of it. And I think that when we see sales, when we see entrepreneurship, when we see business like that, we're nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step game. And that's influence. That's what the law of influence is really all about. Mr. Berg, you dropped a lot of gems for our audience here today. Thank you. What is one book that you recommend that they read? Because Go-Giver is in top five. It's in the top five <laughs> business books. Usually when you say give somebody a book, this is a go-giver. You got to be a little more advanced until you understand. But when you get it, you get it, and then you recommend. But what's one book that you go to for inspiration? Um, I would say, and of course, there's so many that I, I just love and have made such a big difference in my life. But there's a, a book that was, that was, and this was published after he passed away. His, his wife saw the, um, these two brief manuscripts he had, uh, and they were left on his hard drive. His name is Harry Brown, B-R-O-W-N-E. He actually had a number of New York Times bestselling books on everything from economics to, to um, uh, politics to philosophy. Uh, he wrote a, a, a really a cult classic called uh, How I um, How I Remain Free in an Unfree World or something. I can't think of the exact name of it. How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World. But uh, a lot of great books. But this one was never intended to be published. Uh, he wrote this back in the 60s. He actually wrote two. It was two sales training guides for his his sales team at the time. And one of these brief manuscripts was on... Um, um, understanding human nature. And I believe this is so important because who is it we're dealing with all the time, right? We're dealing with human beings. So if we can understand the, you know, the general psychological characteristics, feelings, and behavioral traits of most human, that's what human nature is. That's all human nature is, the general psychological characteristics, feelings, and belief, be, beliefs uh, as considered to be true of all humans. Hey, we're all individuals. 
And we all have our own way of approaching and understanding happiness and what we do in order to, uh, you know, in the um, pursuit of happiness. Absolutely, we're individuals. But as human beings, there are certain aspects of human nature we all have. And when we can understand that, also how those apply to ourselves, now we're always operating from a position of strength. So the first part was just understanding human nature. The second part was how to sell according to human nature. And it's funny, the, the, the book is The Secret of Selling Anything. And as he says in the book, he didn't title it, of course, he wasn't alive when it was titled by the person who bought the rights to it. But as he said in the book, the secret to selling anything is, is very, should not be a secret. It's simply find out what the other person wants and help them get it. If you're interested on my blog at Berg, B-U-R-G dot com slash blog, I wrote a review on this book. If you if you go to Berg.com slash blog uh, and just type in uh, the secret of selling, need not. And I think by the time you do that, it will uh, come up to that article. I do a full review uh, on this on this book. Um, I, to me, it, it's just a treasure. Now, the, the language is back in the 60s, and I always tell people, you know, please forgive some of the, you know, the language it's, uh, you know, his, as opposed to his or hers, you know, it's, it's, and there's some of the roles seem more like out of the Brady bunch or, or, you know, leave it to beaver or father knows best. There's, there's some of that, but he was not in any way a sexist. It was just how in the sixties, you know, that was the, the language and the, and the style, but, uh, but he was a great guy. I was honored to, to get to, to meet him and get to know him a little bit. And, uh, to me, this is a book that, you know, if I, if there was an 18 year old who was really beginning their life and, and the question was what one book, and again, there's not one book, there's thousands of them, but if there was one book that would help them to, to be equipped to live a successful and happy life, this would be it. Mr. Berg, I, th I speak on behalf of the veteran and military spouse community from Bunker Labs for thanking you for being here with us today and dropping these gems. As a community, how can we help you? Uh, I'll tell you what, you can help me just by being the, the same great people that you are. You're heroes, in my opinion, and the opinions of many. So just keep leading and, and setting the example and being the, the service-oriented people that y'all are. And I thank all of you. Thank you. And where can people find you at? Uh, best place is Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. And pretty much everything's there. Bob, it was such a pleasure again. And thank you for being here with us. Oh, thank you. I thank all of you. Be sure to subscribe to The Transition on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. We'd greatly appreciate it if you left us a review and shared this podcast with someone in your network who you feel can benefit from the information. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, visit www.bunkerlabs.org, select the city nearest to you, and sign up for our local newsletter. From there, attend one of our networking events. It's that simple. Be sure to also get connected at Bunker Online, where you can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Register today by clicking connect at bunkerlabs.org. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.